Hello, ladies. Welcome to the Hourly to Exit podcast. I'm your host, Erin Austin. My goal with every episode is to share information and resources to help you achieve the next level of growth in your expertise-based business. We all know generating income from our expertise is pretty easy. The challenge is in scaling and building a business that can run without you. Join me here every week to make sure you are building an asset that can be used to fund your goals and your legacy. Before we get started though, one little disclaimer, because I'm a lawyer. The information I share on the podcast is general in nature and is provided for information purposes only. It is not to be relied upon nor construed as providing legal advice or legal opinions about any specific issue or set of facts. Now, here we go. Hello, welcome to our LinkedIn Live. Happy for you to join me. I do LinkedIn Lives the last Wednesday of every month where I discuss topics of interest to the expertise-based business and helping you make that hourly to exit journey. This is also being recorded as a podcast episode of my hourly to exit podcast that you can find on all of your podcast providers. And so if you are listening to this on the podcast, I do want to let you know that there are slides that you can find on my YouTube channel if you are so inclined. So again, I do these the last Wednesday of every month. So if there are any issues that you would like me to cover, please feel free to just shoot me a note on LinkedIn, or I'll also have my contact information at the end of the presentation. These are short form, 15 to 20 minutes. No topic is too small. I want to know what you're struggling with, what your questions are, so I can best serve you and have the most responsive information for you. So, and of course, also feel free to ask questions at any time during the presentation or also at the end if you don't do it during the conversation. So we are here to talk about the ubiquitous NDA. And specifically, I'm going to talk about a few hotspots that you need to be aware of. Now, let me say, of course, you know, I'm a lawyer and I do encourage you to have all of your agreements reviewed by a lawyer and NDAs are agreements. So they're binding agreements. And I do want you to treat them with seriousness. And as a practical matter, you may not always be able to do that. So we're going to talk about some things to think about. My disclaimer that I got to throw in here is, of course, I am not your lawyer. This is general legal information. And in order to have the law applied to your specific facts, then you do need to consult with a lawyer for that. So on with the show, NDA hotspots. So NDAs are everywhere. So if you have been working with corporate in and around corporate, at least for the last 10 years, maybe longer, if you're like me, then you know that there has been a mass proliferation of NDA usage. And so why are they everywhere? Well, that is because over 70% of the value in corporate businesses is in intellectual property and other intellectual assets, you know, like customer lists and things like that. So in order to protect those assets, they require NDAs before they're going to share that information with you. And so just to back up and just to talk generally about NDAs, also known as non-disclosure agreements, also known as confidentiality agreements. And what we're talking about today are those standalone agreements that you're signing before you enter a transaction with someone. 
So you've made contact with another party. Maybe you want to pitch them something. Maybe they've asked you for a proposal. Maybe you want to collaborate on something. And in order to figure out whether or not it's a good fit, you are going to be having some conversations where some confidential information may be shared. And so you do want to have that NDA in place before you share that information. And so I'm not anti-NDAs. I do think they are overprescribed. I will say that my general feeling about NDAs is that if you are just in the talking stage, to borrow a dating term, you should really limit the amount of confidential information you share. Because at the end of the day, your confidential information is best protected by keeping it confidential and not sharing it. I like to say discretion is your best protection when it comes to protecting your confidential information and that your NDAs are kind of the cousin. So we know we have NDAs that we have to deal with. So let's talk about them. So these are some five hotspots. This is not a provision by provision review, but some of the main issues that you're going to come across that I want you to be aware of. So the five are the confidential information definition. And then, of course, there are the exclusions from the confidential information definition, circumstances when disclosure is legally required, the non-disclosure and non-use restrictions that apply, and indemnification provisions. Funny, when I'm working on these, you know, PowerPoints, everything looks so big and on my stream yard screen, it looks so tiny. So I hope you can read everything. If you can't read something, please put a comment in the chat so I can make sure that you get it. But also know that, well, the recording will be available if you miss anything. So for those of you who are listening and not watching, I am going to read what I have is a typical confidential information definition. Now, every definition is different. If you have 100 NDAs, the definition of confidential information will be different in every single one of them but there will be some things you can expect to see in there. So this example that we have, the recipients, and I want you to know, so the person receiving the confidential information is referred to as the recipient or the receiving party, the person who is disclosing their confidential information, I'll be referring to as the disclosing party throughout the presentation. Hey everyone, a quick word from our sponsor, Think Beyond IP, Think Beyond IP helps your professional services firm build the essential legal and strategic foundation required to confidently scale your business by developing, protecting, and leveraging intellectual property assets. You can find us at thinkbeyondip.com. Now, back to the show. So, the recipient's obligations under this agreement shall extend only to confidential information that is, one, marked as confidential at the time of disclosure, so you'll have a handout that has confidential marked on it. Two, is identified as confidential at the time of disclosure, so it's mentioned orally, but is designated as confidential in a memorandum that is sent to the recipient after the disclosure that summarizes that information. And then I have in red font, because it's one of my hotspots, any information that is disclosed, whether in writing, orally, or via electronic means by the disclosing party and which the disclosing party considers to be proprietary or confidential. 
So why do I not like that last one? Now I'm going to say a little background on this. There used to be, before NDAs were used, anytime you got on the phone with somebody, when they were used for very specific purposes, the confidential information definition used to be very clearly defined. It would be like, I'm going to share my financial information with you, or I'm going to share my strategic plan with you. And so you just had this very clear definition. But since we now use them all the time in all sorts of circumstances, and it's all templated, so they're not doing a special one for every time they're sending it out, they've added this catch-all. Like just anything that happens to come up that might be confidential is also considered confidential information. And so I hate it, but it's the way it is now. And so you're always going to find these catch-alls. However, the problem with them is one of our hotspots which is if you have disclosed confidential information orally, you haven't gone back and summarized it. You know, it's not in some recording like a recorded Zoom call that says it's confidential information. And then there is a dispute later, like how do you prove that you shared it? Unless it's something very specific that could only come from you. How would you prove that you shared it? What's the paper trail? And so people, you know, insist on these catch-alls. So you're going to see the catch-alls You're going to have them in your NDAs, but if you are the disclosing party and you're sharing your confidential information, then I want you to make sure there's a paper trail. So if there's some dispute about whether or not someone used your confidential information, you have the paper trail. So that's our hotspot number one. So as a result of these catch-alls and for the definition of confidential information, now, of course, we need to have exclusions. We used to not have exclusions, but now we have to have the exclusions from the confidential information definition because the definition is so broad. And so there are a few things that you always want to make sure that are excluded from the definition of confidential information. Here we have four that you will typically see. The information that is generally known to the public at the time of disclosure or later becomes generally known without the receiving party disclosing it would be excluded. So let's say you're having a Zoom call and people are sharing things and you have one of these catch-alls, just the fact that it was disclosed during that Zoom call and you have this catch-all that everything I tell you is confidential information. Well, it's not if it really is known to the public. You cannot be in a worse position than the member of the public with respect to that confidential information. It becomes known to the receiving party from a third party. Somebody else shares it with you. So that would also be excluded if you independently develop it. They say that there's only so many original ideas in the world. And so if you are separately, you know, your marketing department's over there, the marketing department had nothing to do with your financial team, and they somehow come up with some similar ideas, then that wouldn't count as confidential information. And then the last one that is in red here is information that is required to be disclosed by the receiving party to comply with applicable laws or governmental regulations or court order. Why is that a hotspot? Well, the fact that you had to disclose that confidential information for legal purposes does not make it no longer confidential information. So let's say it's your confidential information. For some reason, the receiving party has to disclose it for SEC purposes or something. And so that doesn't mean that they are now free to blast it across the internet. It's still your confidential information. It doesn't mean that they're free to use it and create their own products out of it. 
it's still your confidential information. So it is not an exclusion from the confidential information definition. You do not want that circumstance of needing to disclose it for legal purposes to exclude it from the confidential information definition. Where it is appropriately addressed is in the next hotspot. So there should be a separate provision that says, in the event that you are required, there are legal requirements to disclose my confidential information, then you won't be in breach of the agreement if you meet these certain circumstances. And so you might see something like this provision here. If you are required by any legal or regulatory process to disclose any confidential information, you shall provide prior written notice of such disclosure to the disclosing party and take all reasonable and lawful actions to avoid and or minimize the extent of such disclosure. So we have two hotspots in this provision. First of all, are you legally permitted to provide notice to the disclosing party? What if the disclosing party is the object of some sort of investigation? And so the FBI comes to you or the SEC comes to you and asks you for some information that you received from the disclosing party as part of that investigation. And they tell you, you cannot give notice that we are asking for this information. So if you have that language in there that requires you to give notice to the disclosing party without any exceptions, then you would be in breach of the agreement if you did disclose it without giving them notice. The other part of that is that it put the burden on the receiving party to get a protective order. The burden should be on the disclosing party. That's their information. They have the value in it. They have the vested interest in keeping it confidential. And so it should be their burden and not your burden as a receiving party to seek protective orders, which of course cost money and resources. However, you should reasonably cooperate at their expense. But the burden to pursue that should be on the disclosing party. The fourth hotspot is regarding the non-disclosure and non-use restrictions. Now, you'll see that this is all in white. There are no hotspots in this language. I'm going to read it for the benefit of the podcast listeners. The receiving party agrees that it will make no use of any of the confidential information except for the permitted purposes, you know, whatever the conversation is around, and will only disclose the confidential information to those of its employees or its advisors like lawyers that have a legitimate need to know. It might also say on a need to know basis for the permitted purpose and who are informed of the confidential information of the information and that also understand that the no use restrictions. So this is all very reasonable. An NDA, a non-disclosure agreement, although it only has a non-disclosure part in the title, it is also a non-use agreement. And I guess it would be too unwieldy to call it the non-disclosure and the non-use agreement. But both elements are extremely important part of an NDA. Of course, you're not going to disclose it, meaning you're not going to tell other people about it. You're not going to broadcast it. That's the non-disclosure piece. The non-use piece is you're also not going to use it for your own internal purposes. You will only use it for whatever the reason is that you're having this conversation, for the collaboration, for the services that you're going to provide. So if you didn't have that non-use restriction, then you could use it internally without violating a non-disclosure, which is why there's always two parts to it. So that's why I'm happy with this provision. There's no red parts in it. 
However, the hotspot issue is if you offer similar goods and services, you don't want this to somehow turn into a non-compete, similar to the exclusions that we talked about earlier. So you could have something going on like today, I could be working on something that I'm going to release on March 1st. And per our conversations about something else we're going to work on together, you disclose to me something that's very similar to what I'm working on right now. And so you want to make sure that you also have a provision in there that acknowledges that, hey, we may be working on similar things. We may have similar ideas. The fact that we're sharing this information does not mean I can't offer similar services that are similar to yours. So that is something you want to make sure is covered if you are working with someone in similar services. Now, this probably is not applicable if you are entering an NDA with your big corporate client. Probably you guys are not in the same business and it's not applicable, but you do need to be careful if it is. And then our last hotspot, indemnification. And the entire provision is in red. And so this is, you know, your standard indemnification where a recipient indemnifies the disclosing party in the event of any third party action that arises from a breach of the agreement. And so generally in services agreements, indemnification provisions are not that controversial. So why is it controversial in an NDA? Why is my recommendation just say no? Well, it's because if you are just in the talking stage and there is no agreement to move forward in a real transaction where you will be exchanging money, then there is no consideration for taking on that type of liability. You should not be accepting the liability of indemnification just to talk to someone about whether or not you're going to work together. So get that indemnification provision out. If you possibly can, I strongly encourage it. So that is our fifth and final hotspot. So I'm happy to take any questions from you. If you have any, you can just pop them in the chat. And of course, you can also always follow up with me directly afterwards as well. Well, I hope that this was helpful to you. Again, you can find me on LinkedIn. If we're not connected, please connect with me. Or you can find me on my website, thingbeyondip.com. And of course, if you're listening to this on LinkedIn, then to also check out my Hourly to Exit podcast, where we talk about all these issues to help you create a scalable, hopefully someday saleable expertise-based business. And we also talk to experts as well about different elements of that Hourly to Exit journey. And you can also sign up for my weekly newsletter. And I have a lot of free resources on my website as well. So thanks again and hope to see you next time. Thanks for listening. Do not forget to check out the show notes for links to connect with today's guest and for the resources, offers, and organizations that we discussed. You can also find the links at hourlytoexit.com backslash podcast. If you got value from this episode, please subscribe. And I'd be so grateful for a review. I'm here to support your journey.